Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm your host, Susan Laris and Dams, and I am just so delighted to welcome you back today for an early morning edition for those of you in the U.S. Actually, not so early on the East Coast, but certainly on the West Coast where I am, I am appreciating dawn arriving outside my window looking out to the mountains which is always such an inspiration. And welcome to those of you on Twitter. I put put this show on the Monday Motivation feed because I feel that that is appropriate. And I also want to say as we start out is let's all send those of you listening live our, our thoughts, our energetic support, our prayers, whatever word works for you to those impacted by Hurricane Matthew because that's on my heart this morning. I know that that's quite a significant storm. So I would invite all of us to to uplift those people impacted in the light. Um, and today, I have to tell you about a synchronicity that occurred that I think you will find very relevant to the guests that I will be bringing on the line in a moment. Um, as I was getting ready for the show here, and it's it is early here. Um, very unusual. Um, I have a little cloth that I use to clean my glasses. It's one of those really nice cloths that, that you know work really well with doing that. And somehow the thing ended up very prominently on my sink, just right in front of me. And I thought that was really funny because today one of the things we're going to be talking about, we are going to be talking about lenses, lenses that we see the world through, and so many things. Let me introduce my guest before I bring him on the line. I am so very honored today to be having on the show Richard Barrett, and Richard has such a phenomenal background, and he's bringing a great deal of light to this world. His most recent book is a New Psychology of Human Well-Being, an Exploration of the Influence of Ego-Soul Dynamics on Mental and Physical Health. And let me tell you that this book is an example of integrative thinking. Richard is able to take a visionary perspective of the world which I know many of my listeners have, and apply that to his in-depth research and theory 
into psychology and how that relates to these concepts of the ego and the soul, how that relates to forming a unified model of science, spirituality, and psychology in a beautiful way. And let me tell you a little bit more about Richard's background. In fact, one aspect of this I'm so curious about, I am going to have to ask him. Um, He is the founder and chairman of the Barrett Values Center. He's calling in from overseas, by the way. He is a fellow of the World Business Academy, and this really fascinates me. He is the the former values coordinator at the World Bank. Um, Richard has helped many individuals and organizations worldwide through his cultural transformation tools, and I am just so delighted to bring him on the line today. Welcome to the program, Richard. Thank you so much. Well, at the outset here, I know, I know my listeners are going to be curious, and this may seem like a little off-the-wall question, but just related to your introduction, what does the values coordinator at the World Bank do? I am, I'm dying of curiosity. <laughs> well, um, I have to go back to, oh, let's see, uh, 1990. Five, six, seven. Um, I was at the World Bank, and um, I was an engineer in those days. I was transitioning uh-huh. to my my new role and my new uh, vocation in life. And there was a there was a, a sense of wanting to look at the bank's values, and they'd never really done that before. And I kind of volunteered and. My vice president said, "Yeah, go ahead. I'll I'll fund you for two years to do the to work on this." And so I spent two years as values coordinator, which was really to conduct an inquiry into the organization's values, find out what was important to people, what behaviors linked with what values, um, and where they where the organization wanted to go with this. It was a temporary but but long appointment of two years. And at the end of that time, um, I I left the World Bank because I'd been working on a book called A Guide to Liberating Your Soul and then on a book called Liberating the Corporate Soul. And I wanted and I'd invented a way of measuring consciousness by mapping values. And I wanted to get out into the world and make it available. So at the end of that two-year period, I left the World Bank and set up my business as it is today, which has been going for 20 years. And so... There was a yearning in the organization, I think, to, to talk about and understand values. Well, over the last 20 years, that uh, yearning I find everywhere in the world. And, and my company, which measures values by mapping them to the seven levels of consciousness model, works um, in 93 countries. And we've worked with over 6,000 organizations, helping them deepen their understanding of the values that are alive in the organization and the values that people want in the organization. Well, I have to tell you that it's an inspiration to me to know that you and others are working in such a way, and that alone to me 
helps me to to believe that we really are moving more fully in a more fully consciousness way into a higher dimensional reality or, or more awareness in that way. In fact, your book talks about multi dimensionality and my listeners are not unfamiliar with some of these concepts but to see this mentioned in such a way in such a a mainstream um, expansive way to me is incredibly inspiring so I would like to ask you um, and perhaps we should go back and and define some terms Um, with respect define for us because we've heard these terms so much ego and soul, and then relate that to our dimensional reality, how we come to exist in this world. Okay, wow, big questions. Um, I, I'd just <laughs> like to go back to the, the, the previous question. Just I just got back, uh, well, first, uh-huh. I, I just, just got back from Toronto, where every two years we have our international conference which draws together people from all over the world who are who are working in organizations to build values driven cultures and and it was an amazing gathering of people for a whole week and uh, i can tell you there are there are lots uh, there are thousands of people out there working on building uh, more values driven organizations all over the world so i just wanted to online how important this work is and, and, and just how many people are actually involved in that. So let's get back yeah. to your second question, which is defining ego. Well, there are different ways to do that. But first of all, let me say the ego is the mask that you learn to wear during the time from the moment of being born up to the age 24. It's a mask you learn to wear in order to get your needs met in your physical and cultural framework of existence. It's not who you are, it's how you manage to survive, feel safe, and feel secure. So it's really a mask. Now, I have to tell you that actually the ego is created by the soul. I'll tell you why in a moment. Let me first of all tell you what the soul is. The soul is an individuated energy field uh, coming from the universal energy field. So we're all individuated aspects of the universal energy field. And as far as the soul's concerned, it, it lives um, in its natural state in a world of total love and total connectedness. Um, now, when the soul incarnates into the uh, embryo of the child that had just been conceived, um, there is pure soul consciousness for the first 10 weeks of the embryo period. And then the reptilian mind brain forms and takes charge of basically the consciousness, conscious awareness of that fetus in the mother's womb. And so the soul then gets pushed back into the subconscious of the body mind. We can call that reptilian mind brain, the body mind. And, um, that mind brain continues to be dominant until around the age of two, when the limbic mind brain, which has been developing in the background, becomes dominant. Now, the, limb, the reptilian mind brain or the body mind becomes the subconscious of the emotional mind, that's the limbic mind brain, and the soul becomes the unconscious of the uh, emotional mind. Now, fast forward to age seven or eight, when the neocortex becomes the dominant mind brain, 
it's been developing in the background. Now the emotional mind becomes a subconscious of the rational mind. The body mind becomes the unconscious of the rational mind. And the soul mind now is like the super unconscious is way pushed way into the background. And the, the, um, the neocortex mind brain goes on developing till we're about 24 or 25 years old. So during this period, this first 24 years of our lives, our three mind brains are all growing and developing and learning to be in this physical material world. Now, let me just jump back and explain why the ego gets formed in its relation to the soul. So I remember I said that the soul is dominant for the first 10 weeks of gestation, and then the reptilian mind, brain, and body mind takes over to keep the body alive. Um, Any pain felt by the body mind um, is felt by the soul mind as a lack of love. It's just the energetic vibration in which the soul lives. And at around 18 months, the baby begins to recognize that it's not alone in the world. Um, I say alone, it's a sense of oneness the baby has when it's born, because it still has this strong influence of the soul. But around 18 months, the separation comes in. And this is extremely painful for the energetic in, uh, equilibrium of the soul and so in order to protect itself the soul re, uh, goes into the background and creates the psychic entity we call the ego and the ego then begins to grow and develop during the next 24 years of our lives and the ego is the buffer for the soul to pre- prevent it from feeling this pain uh, of lack of love which is really separation and any physical pain that the um, body is feeling and that's the state that we live in uh, up to the age of 24, 25 and then if you are fortunate and uh, you move into the higher stages of development where the soul um, is reactivated and you come back into soul awareness at the end towards the end of your life so Briefly, that's the overview that I explain in the book of the journey of the soul into three-dimensional material reality. Yes, yes. And, you know, I love how you personally relate your experience of writing this book to your own stages of psychological development in the sense that you say that this, you couldn't have written this book any sooner because you needed to be to that stage where you were ready to share this material. And this is true of everything. And you have proposed a, a model of stages of psychological development that, um, where it has seven, seven different stages that I invite the readers to explore. And by the way, I didn't mention your website at the outset, and I want to do that right now. It's it's simply richardbarrett.net for those of you who will be exploring that. Um, but um, I wonder if you know what what I see in your work now. Certainly, you went you. There's an integration stage and and serving. I mean, there there is such service in the work that you're doing now at this this more advanced level, but. As we enter into these stages of development, the, the lens I want to look at it through is when we are um, concerned about our survival, you know, those, those who are impacted by 
by Hurricane Matthew right now, um, live in a very simple world, you know, little huts. And obviously they're very much concerned about basic needs. Can you explore for us, because I know you spend a lot of time on this in the book, how um, how that relates to our ability to actualize the higher callings of our soul, the 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 struggle for survival, and um, and then how we we develop to to have an opportunity to to more fully integrate the callings of our souls. So let me first of all say that we grow in stages of psychological development. There are seven stages. And we uh, operate at levels of consciousness. So if you are uh, at, the inter- uh, at the individuating stage, that's like 25 to 39, and you are, you are influenced by this, the problems of this hurricane, um, you, you're operating at the fourth level of consciousness and the fourth stage of psychological development. But because of the hurricane, you drop down to the survival level of consciousness. It doesn't mean do you go yeah. back to the first stage of psychological development as a baby. No, but you drop down to that level of consciousness. So that's very important to understand. We operate at levels and we grow in stages. And the last point here really is that we live inside cultural worldviews. So um, people in the USA live within a particular cultural worldview. People in China live within another worldview. And the, well, those worldviews um, can, can help us grow and develop uh, through the stages of psychological development, or they can hinder that. So, for example, in the former USSR and in North Korea right now, which, are op- which operated at a at the third level of consciousness. So it was almost impossible to self-actualize, that is, operate at the fourth and fifth level of consciousness because um, the regime did not want free thinkers. They didn't want people who were uh, becoming you know, their own masters. So they, they repress it. Same thing with the Arab Spring. Um, you Here you have a level three consciousness regime and within that regime you have people who are reached a level four that's individuating self-actualizing because they've managed to meet their survival their relationship and their self-esteem needs and so they're moving now into the higher stages of development but they hit up against a, a regime that blocks freedom of speech etc so yes that's the first thing now, I, I mentioned the first three stages being uh, learning how to survive, that's uh, survival, uh, conforming, that's the uh, three to seven years old, that's learning to fit in and feel safe, and then um, differentiating, um, that's from like age eight to 24, that's all about finding recognition and respect within your peer group uh, and and through your parents. Um, then come, if you go through that quite easily without developing fear-based beliefs and and we know what fear-based beliefs can do they can hold you back and mesmerize you and keep you stuck in these lower levels mm-hmm. now, if you get past that and in the individuating stage from 24 onwards to around 39 and um, that's when you begin to realign the beliefs of the ego with the values of the soul and that's when you look for 
freedom and autonomy and perhaps leave behind the beliefs of the cultural framework in which you were brought up. Then comes the next stage, which is the self-actualizing stage. This is in the 40s usually, and this is when you, you've managed to let go of fear and now you are um, wanting to find your, what you are passionate about, what you love to do, what's really important to you. And you do that in your 40s. And this is the first stage of soul activation. And then comes the next stage of soul activation um, in the 50s. So the 40s is all about self-expression. Um, we say, look, we're looking for meaning in life. That's the ego's interpretation of what's going on in the 40s. The soul knows its meaning. The soul is looking to self-express. And the ego is trying to understand what the self-expression of the soul is. In the 50s, you found your meaning and now you want to make a difference in the world. But to do that, you have to connect. So the 50s is all about connection, connecting with people in unconditional loving relationships. And the 60s is all about contributing. Now you've connected. Now you can fully contribute and serve humanity and the planet. Mm, um, I, I really feel that um, um, this this helps us in in a great many ways. Can people jump ahead? <laughs> I know this may sound. Sometimes it seems like you know some of these newer um, young people coming into the world today. They it, it, people have often spoke of them as as almost coming in with a, a little a higher level of consciousness. And I'm just curious, this is a very non sequitur question. Um have you noticed this, Richard? Well, and, first of all, and I'm wondering, are we changing as humanity in a way that, that may accelerate how we step through some of this and, and they serve earlier in, in, in things. I'm curious. I get this question asked question asked all the time. Um you do? So first of all, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, uh, first of all, you said they come in with a high level of consciousness. They don't come in at a higher stage of psychological development. Remember, you grow in stages yes, yes. and you operate yes, at we're levels. Human. We're human. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes in, I suppose, with a high level of consciousness, or before. It's just, um, yes, exactly. they still have to go through survival. Uh huh. So, what's happened with these, so, what happens with these young people is they've been born. In liberal democracies, to self-actualized parents, and so they ah. grow up with, without too many fear-based beliefs, and they grow yeah. up because they live in a liberal democracy. They grow up in a in a cultural worldview that is um, helping them move through the levels of consciousness and move through the stages of development, and so they've got everything going for them now. We call these millennials, but you know the millennials yeah. in in uh, in uh, in Russia or in parts of Russia or parts where where people are poor and find it difficult to get education. They're not born like that. They may get the odd one or two, um, and there may be a, there may be a, a sense in which old souls are, are being born more frequently. But it's a very very small portion of the population. Most of the population will go through the stages. Some of them, when they're brought, as I say, brought up by self-actualized parents who understand yeah. that the, ch the child wants to self-express, which is the first desire of the soul, to connect, yeah. second desire of the soul, and contribute, the third desire of the soul. These, these 
kids are feeling these impulses quite young. Yes. But they still go through the stages of psychological development. Yes, yes. There's no way around. Um, There's no way around that. that yes. And, and, you know, I'm hearing that from more and more um, researchers who've been on this show, that there are necessary stages that that we step through in development. And, yeah. um, you know, and it, how does this, there, there's something that you say about growth later in the book that's a term that's thrown around a lot growth that you said about how growth has to do with embracing change even if those changes bring up fear that that we grow through those experiences so so one could say as you said those who are experiencing hurricane matthew there may be people out there who who are very far along in their development or and living at a higher level of consciousness and and yet they are surely growing through the challenge um, that they're encountering. And there's, there are no doubt challenges we all face as we age. Um, and, and actually, we are going to we're going to talk about illness too, because you have a lot to say about our physical well-being. Um, and you know, if we encounter a physical challenge, that's a whole topic as well as to how that can be minimized in a way if we are at a higher level of, of consciousness. So anyway, that's a real packed question, but let's talk about growth, change, and and um, and how that relates to how we work with our fears. So um, there was some brilliant work done by Abraham Maslow on this topic, and basically, and I agree with this, he basically says, you know, you're able to grow when you've established a, a level of safety at the the level of consciousness you're at. So if you if you move beyond that, you feel safe dropping back. So you have to have that that safety. Uh, you have to master each level of consciousness and build on it. If you if you have a weak foundation, if you learned when you were very young that you uh, your needs were not being met as a baby when you're, you 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 didn't feel loved as a young child and you didn't feel recognized as a teenager. Um, then you would develop some subconscious fear-based beliefs about not having enough, not being not uh, being loved enough, and not being enough, and and so therefore you would have weak foundations which would not. Uh, so as you moved up into the higher stages of development, these limiting beliefs would trigger these fear-based beliefs and hold you back from moving into the soul activation. You see, in order to activate the soul, you have to release release the fears because yeah. there are two energies in the world, the energy of love and the energy of fear. So the soul is living this energy field of love and the ego, um, if it can master its fears, can gradually move into that energy field of the love and that invites the soul to come back into our lives and invites us to self-actualize uh, to uh, express who we really are to connect and to contribute and so the degree to which you let fear out of your life allows you that that expression and that as i said occurs in the second half of your life from roughly late 30s through to the end of your life now you mentioned um, physical disease and physical sickness now the degree to which you are able to manifest um, 
the energy of love internally is the degree to which you're able to live a healthy, vital, and long life. If you've got fear-based beliefs that have been hanging around in the physical body or the energy field of the physical body from when you were young, those fear-based beliefs don't dissipate. The energy of fear doesn't dissipate. You have to let it out. You have to express it. And so when you hide your feelings, then what happens is you hide these pockets of negative energy in your energy field. And uh, in the second half of your life, these pockets of energy, negative energy, affect the organs of your body and create illness and distress. Now, the type of energy, negative energy you have depends on your ability to master the first three, the, the stages of psychological development. And so the stages are linked to the chakra system. The stages are linked to the endocrine system. And so particular stages of failure to master a particular stage of development will lead to a particular disease. And I outlined that in the second half of the book. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, as, as I was reading this, I, I personally relate to what you're saying because I have to tell you, I was raised in a way where I was very fearful when I was young um, and very anxious. Um, I, I, was, I was an engineer too. I've I done a lot of things. Um, and um, as I'm, I'm in my early 50s, I have impossible, it's very possible, vitality. Whereas when I was younger, I, I often say to myself, I feel more energy and more physical vitality than I did in my 20s, and I'm in my mm-hmm. 50s. Um, mm-hmm. And and obviously there's something, and it's it, it's I give us a model to understand this because to me it's just been a miracle. <laughs> um, you know, I view it in, in miraculous ways, and and you map that to very real, understandable. Um, concepts as to how we develop. And I know others like this, too. Um, There's this energy. And, um, you know, maybe we should explore. We haven't really talked too much about energy. I mean, you talk about the chakras, and and I know that people are probably really appreciating how you're integrating all of these concepts. Here you are, this person who's done all these amazing things in the world, and look at how – um, you know, these these concepts that we hear and have known about, you know, Eastern and, and philosophy that's integrated um, into our Western world, you're bringing this to a place where it's a new understanding of, of understanding our development. So, so anyway, um, perhaps we should explore energy fields a bit more and and I, I don't want to leave aside this notion of feelings, too, and how that relates to energy, because there there can be this movement right now of, you know, sort of ignore your feelings, you know, if you're, um, gloss over your feelings. I, I see that sometimes in the world. And yet you're saying we need to explore those feelings. We need to feel. We need to be what I would say and others in that space of the heart, you know, and, and maybe that's a word. I introduce as well. Um, so how does, another very complex question, because <laughs> there's so many topics here to tackle at once. 
but I'm just going to throw it your way. You 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 um you explore whatever you'd like based on that. <laughs> okay. So first, let me come back to your vitality at 50. Yeah. Um, I, I'm 71. Um, I we just had our international conference in Toronto where I met people I haven't seen for many years, uh, and um, everybody says to me uh, two things. One. You look 10 years younger. Two, mm-hmm. um, um, you're full of energy. Yep. And you see, the reason for that is I'm totally aligned with my soul consciousness. Every thought now that I have comes from soul. I, I listen yeah. to my soul all of the time. I have no needs because all my needs are met before I, ha- I even know that I have them because the soul has t- fully taken over my life and because the soul lives at the fourth dimension of reality and now we get onto the second part of your question because the yeah. energetic reality which contains the material reality the, the soul is re- able to organize at that higher dimension things co- we call from our three dimensional world synchronicity uh, because yeah. the soul actually my soul connected with another soul and so here I am in my hotel room let's say at this conference and I'm about to go downstairs and I say no 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 I'll just do this this and then I do that and I walk out of the into the corridor and there I bump into this person I really need to meet so yeah you know so it was like the soul organized that um yes so the soul can influence us greatly now the way we get a glimpse into the fourth dimension of reality is through things like synchronicity and uh, feelings. You see, we are energetic beings and uh, when the energy of love meets the energy of fear, um, there is emotion. Or when the uh, uh, when the uh, we get a heightening of the energy of love. We have increased emotion. So emotion is the living out of our life in this fourth dimensional energetic world. Now, we, uh, we become cognizant of emotion through feelings. That's how we know we have emotions. And so when you pay attention to your feelings, you have a doorway or a window into your soul, you can actually know what is going on in your ego soul dynamic. So every time you have a, a less than positive feeling, uh, I could say negative feeling, um, it's a, it's, it, it, and it is painful, um, then uh, you, you, you just had a, a glimpse into the energetic world of the ego and the soul and a place where you're out of alignment. And so uh, pain is a wonderful thing because it points exactly at what you need to work on. And I say this not just in terms of emotional pain, but also in physical pain, because there is actually in the energetic world of the fourth dimension, there is no physicality. So all pain is an energetic level. And so the body is an energy field. It's a template, an energetic template around which the body forms. And so when the body feels pain it's felt in the energy field also and that also is a sense comes about from a lack of ego soul alignment or a or and i add this the um body mind working overtime to maintain 
homeostasis. So when you, for example, you get injured, your body gets injured, you're, you, you feel pain because the body-mind, which controls the healing and the homeostatic function, has to work overtime, and that creates the energetic vibration of pain. And so um, pain, uh, I wouldn't say it's something to be welcomed, but when you have it, it's something to pay attention to because yeah. it is giving you a message. It's giving you a very strong message about how your ego or the fears of the ego are out of alignment uh, with the uh, love of the soul. Yes. yes. You know, as you speak of these things, I can't help but but wonder what the world of psychology would be like if we start more fully applying these concepts. Because, for example, take depression. You know, so many people, I don't know, they've done statistical analyses, how many people are suffering from depression. And I know you explore suicide in your in your book as well, you know, the extremes of, 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 of depression. And... I wonder if you could explore just just how the work that you're doing, Richard, can perhaps change the models of how we're working with people. Because we live in a world right now where, truthfully, certainly in the U.S., if someone has um, one of these conditions, there's very little opportunity to even explore psychology. They may be given a pill, you know, or, or you know, and that mm-hmm. and hardly any any work, you know, nothing to to help them explore their feelings or whatever it is. And and I wonder, Richard, if you could help me understand what you envision for applying these ideas to enhancing the human experience so that so that we really are able to to grow beyond these things that that we're experiencing can can you can you speak to that richard because i'm so inspired by your work and and what you're bringing to the world here so let me back up a little bit and tell you why I wrote this book. I wrote this book because for many reasons, but some of the major reasons were these. If you go back to the 1940s and 1950s, the soul was at the center of psychology. Carl Jung really talked about the soul. Roberto Asagioli, who is not as well known, had the soul absolutely center of his psychothesis. Even Abraham Maslow, although he didn't mention the soul, he mentioned the inner core, and he didn't mention the soul because he was in an academic world where the soul is absolute no-no. Um, so, so if we go back 70 or 80 years, the soul was the center of psychology, and since the academic world has taken over, in a sense, the, the research into psychology, it's become more behavioral, it's become cognitive cognitive psychology and we've completely lost the soul out of psychology so that's the first reason I wanted to write this book was to bring the soul back into psychology because actually psyche means soul study psychology is study of the soul so you know it no longer has any meaning it doesn't no longer have that meaning secondly I wrote this book because um, there is a psychologists tend to regard the uh, 
human behaviors and human beings in, uh, see them in some sort of flatland of development. Well, there yeah. are seven stages, as I explained, to development, and they are fundamentally important for the development of the ego and the reactivation of the soul. And I wanted to, I, I, you see, these stages link to just about everything. They link to health. They link to why we commit suicide. They link to just about yeah. every aspect of our lives. And so these were the two main reasons why I decided to write this book in the first place. Uh, so um, the impact of this book could be enormous on the whole of the healing profession. Now, what I'm writing about here is quite well known in Eastern philosophy uh, because yeah. they have the, you know, they have um, acupuncture. They have they they know about the energetic meridians. Um, they don't talk about the soul. So I'm bringing East into back to West and and the West back to East in a sense. Um, but you see our our normal doctors and physicians in the Western world just treat the material body. They do yeah. not understand that they actually the body hangs on an energy field and it's the energy field which is prime. Now, um, this knowledge has been around for nearly uh, 100 years since the discovery of uh, of the quantum field and the quantum energy and quantum mechanics. I mean, Einstein totally got that we live in a four-dimensional energetic continuum. And he said so. Uh, we don't live in a three-dimensional material world. We think we do because we have a problem with perception. Perception creates reality. We have, our physical senses are so limited that we only see a small band of frequencies of vibration, whereas we're living in a huge band. It's like having a radio, an old radio that you can tune it into five stations, all right? Well, actually, that's the ego tuning into five stations because of the limited capacity of the, of the, the body sensing mechanisms. If you use your energy field and your soul to sense the external world, you could have 200 stations that you could sense. And this brings us back to that to what we talked about before, about paying attention to your feelings, paying attention to your synchronicity, paying attention to inspiration, paying attention to uh, clairvoyance, uh, claircognizance, all of these things that are cracks in our the three-dimensional uh, awareness which lead us into the four-dimensional awareness of the soul. And so if you're able to get fear out of your life and move into this domain of four-dimensional awareness, energetic awareness, you become one with the soul. And um, since the soul creates through love and through thought, everything that you bring into your life at that point serves the soul in its desire particular desire for incarnating every fear you have of the ego blocks that from manifesting so that's how it all kind of all hangs together um so you know the choice is ours um it's a long and arduous journey going from birth to death and particularly you know going through um the individuating stage which is your late 20s to late 30s 
and the self-actualizing stage, which is your 40s. But once you, if you can get through those, then there's a strong chance that you will be able to recover your soul and live in soul consciousness to, to in the ending years of your life. Yes, yes. What I appreciate with the, about this is this actually opens the door to maximizing human potential because yeah. right now when you talk about um, how we have to, you know, we need to explore our feelings, for example. The the models right now of assisting people who are in need of assistance totally um, basically make you numb to those feelings yeah. if they work. Um, and and also, when you talk about perception, often people who are having some kind of difficulty, whether mental or physical, um, they can be told, this is going to be the situation for the rest of your life. There is nothing you can do. I mean, that's I know so many people. In fact, almost everyone I know have experienced that at some level, whether it's something, um, you know. And, and so people are given this um, as this is your reality. And if they embrace that perception, then they won't be able to heal. And so you invite us. To break out of that person, there's everything we can do because we're infinite beings. I mean, we're not limited. And 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 how you're integrating this into science and psychology, how you're integrating everything together, is surely going to have a lasting impact. And I I would believe that it would in this energetic environment. Um, and so I guess. Maybe we should address that a little bit more, because I'm sure there are people out there listening who've been on one level or another told, you know, there's nothing you can do <laughs> about, you know, whatever, um, you know, depression is very, very common. You can't do anything about it except for, you know, take this pill. Um, that's what you need to do, and that's it. You're going to have to do this the rest of your life. Um, and um, what you're sharing tells us, no, that's, that's a very physical 3D reality way of looking at things. And, of course, everybody has the ability to move beyond whatever is um, is impacting them psychologically, certainly, and even into more physical well-being. So let me talk a little bit about depression because many people suffer from that. And yes. I, have, I, yes. I, had a, I did have a bout of depression. Um, yes, so did I. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one point. Okay, so let me tell you what. So um, in the book, I talk about emotions and um, uh, and and all our the, the emotions that we have are all arise of getting about from the ego and the soul and the body around getting our needs met or not. And so when the ego gets its needs met, it feels happy. When the ego doesn't get its needs met, it feels angry. When the ego fears that it might not get its needs met, it gets anxious. Um, when the body um, doesn't get its needs met, it feels fear. Now let's get on to the soul. When the soul gets its needs met because the ego is in alignment, it feels joy. When the ego, when the soul does not get its uh, desires met, like 
ego has needs, soul has desires. I'll explain why in a minute. When the soul gets, um, does not get its desires met, when the ego is not in alignment with the soul, the soul becomes sad, and the sadness is felt at the level of the ego as depression. So depression is all about the soul, also the ego, blocking the soul from getting its desires met. And usually it's the fears of the ego which are preventing the soul from getting its uh, desires met. Now, what are the desires of the soul? There are three. Total self-expression of who you really are. Total connection in unconditional loving relationships. And total contribution to humanity or to the people around you uh, because at the soul level there is no me and you we're all individuated aspects of the universal energy field and when I give to you I'm giving to myself I'm giving to that larger entity and so this is how the soul wants to live in three-dimensional awareness it lives in fourth dimensional energetic awareness it incarnates into three-dimensional material awareness in order to recreate the conditions in which it lives, in fourth dimensional awareness, the degree to which you're able to do that is the degree to which you find a fulfilling life and a healthy mental and physical life. The degree to which you are not able to self-express, not able to connect, not able to contribute is the degree to which you lead a mentally unhealthy life and a physically unhealthy life. And so that's all we need to remember. So when your doctor says there's nothing we can do about it, take your pill, think again, because yes. it's all about getting into ego-soul alignment. Yes, yes. And, and truthfully, many people are living testaments to that because they have oh. gotten beyond these yeah. things. I mean, there, there's so many. I, I'm one, I encounter so many um, where, where um, we certainly can grow beyond and and i have another question for you and um what about transcendent experiences and and dramatic awakenings you know those those leaps in consciousness certainly Jung talked about some of these things where we where where we have a transcendent experience where where do those things fit in and 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 how in the higher stages of development do we we live in ways that are more transcendent. And part of that can be, you know, the, the synchronicity showing up more and more and more. I think many of us are noticing that. I'm noticing that. Um, but but I, I, could you address that? Because that's a, that is an area that I feel confuses um, mainstream psychology and science. Um, there, is, there is a lack of understanding that, that such a thing exists, <laughs> that, that we can have these transcendent experiences. And how how we may integrate this as we move forward as a humanity um, so that, that you know, anyway, um, yeah, just address that notion because so many people have had these experiences. So um, there are, um, in my mind, I, I see two types of experiences. This, the, the types of experiences which uh, unfold day after day, week after month, week, month after month, that gradually change our thinking because uh, we we see that the we begin to believe the world is larger than it is, that it appears that through synchronicities, 
etc. So this is a gradual unfolding. There are people who who experience high states of consciousness, which come and go. Now, so we had, you know, we have um, we have levels of consciousness which we operate from. We have stages of development, and we have. States of consciousness, which um, can come and go and can appear on, in people's lives almost any time, like an act of grace. Um, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no understanding of why they occur. It's just an act of grace, and it can change people's yeah. lives forever. Yeah. And uh, and again, it it. it uh, what these states of consciousness tend to do is remove all fear because you yeah. the state of consciousness that you uh, even the psychedelic drugs for example you know um, not that I've done it myself but um, they take you into a place where there is no fear and and so you you learn there's nothing to fear and so the fear of death uh, goes away and once you know there's nothing to fear then it changes everything now so what is this fear of death? Well, you know, it's a, an ego notion, basically, because when you die, uh, the material death, um, all you do is switch back from out of three-dimensional material awareness of the body um, uh, into a fourth-dimensional energetic world awareness of the soul. You just, you don't lose consciousness. You just shift consciousness. Yeah. Death is like a, it's like just a, a shift of consciousness. Um, and um, out of this three-dimensional material world, back, in, back into the fourth-dimensional energetic world, which is contained within the three-dimensional, uh, which contains the three-dimensional material world. Now, um, here's the other important thing. Uh, um, you see, every living creature on the planet has this will to survive. And you can... You can search every scientific textbook you like and you will not find any explanation of where the will to survive comes from. It doesn't exist. And yes. that's because that's because the will to survive is simply the soul's will to be present in three-dimensional material reality. So when the soul wills to be present, it wills itself out of fourth-dimensional energetic reality, out of this total connectedness into three-dimensional materiality where it's going to experience separation. It wills itself into that. This will to be present is translated by the ego into the will to survive, the will to feel safe, and the will to feel secure. Once you find, once you manage to survive, feel safe, and secure, then you can begin the reverse journey. Um, and that's what happens during the first 24 years of our lives. We we learn how to survive, feel safe and secure in the cultural framework and physical framework of our existence. Uh, once you've learned that, and you, and you, then you can then, in a sense, unlearn who you really are, and you can remove the mask of the ego which you wore to get your needs met in that three-dimensional experience. And so, all of this understanding changes your identity you take on a completely new identity the identity of the soul um in uh, for the past year and a half every lecture every seminar i've given i always start this way i say i want you to stand up if 
this statement is true for you. And I say, we'll start with a trial. Okay. I say, um, I have a television. People stand up. I am a television. Nobody stands up. And then I say, I have an ego. Most people stand up. And then I say, I am an ego. Some people stand up. Then I say, I have a soul. Everybody, nearly everybody stands up. Mm-hmm. Then I say, I am a soul. Everybody stays standing. And those who are still sitting stand up. So now I've got everybody, practically everybody is standing from I have a soul and I am a soul. And then I say to people, well, look, okay, okay, so you are very clear about whether you have a television or you are a television, but you're not very clear about whether you have a soul or you are a soul. And you see, these are different levels of enlightenment, basically. So it goes, first of all, I have a soul, then I am a soul. But there's a stage beyond that. And that stage is the soul has you. When you realize it's amazing the soul to has know. Two. Yes. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So when you realize the soul has you, um, all you have to do is surrender to the soul and you live this amazing life, which I find yes. very uh, awe-inspiring because my soul basically helps me write my books. I've written 10 books. I've written six in the last six years. Um, the last book, this book we're talking about, I'm actually putting on a workshop um, in uh, Tuscany, and I'm going to do it several times over the next few years, uh, next May, which is called the Ego Soul Dynamics of Life and Leadership, where I look at, I explain in a four-day workshop uh, uh, in much more detail than we could in this one hour about how to live in soul consciousness. And you can find details of that at my website, richardbarrett.net. Yes, yes. Well, I what I was going to say is I so appreciate how we ha- we know deep down we know all of those people stood up because deep down they know the truth that there's so yeah. much more to our reality than than we tend to be told um, in the materialist world. So yes, we are racing to the end of the show. Um, I've I've just so enjoyed this conversation and. And let me say to you from my heart, thank you so much for being here. I'm truly honored and and just delighted to talk with you. These concepts are so approachable. I really invite people to explore your work at richardbarrett.net. And and it's so clear that that your words are coming from your soul and and your purpose and, and your desire to serve. So... Thank you for all that you are doing, Richard, and thank you for being here. Okay, well, great. Thank you. All right. Well, you take care, and um, I really look forward to to continuing to follow your work and all that that you'll be doing in these new workshops, richardbarrett.net. I invite the listeners to visit there. So, So thanks again. Thank you. All right. Well, take care. Um, To the live audience, thank you for being here today. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio for featuring this show today. I'm always grateful for that. And just a quick note, the next show on the schedule, um, Evelyn C. Rising. We will be exploring shamanic exploration. So we'll be talking about a book that she's written Um, on Norse shamans. So this will be interesting. And that is Tuesday, October 11th at 12 p.m. Pacific.
So I invite you to come back and check the schedule at FrontierBeyondFear.com because I'm often adding new shows. So be aware of the schedule and the wonderful archive we have of shows there as well. So thank you, those of you who've joined me early this morning in the Pacific Northwest and those of you across time listening to the podcast. I always recognize your energy here present with us across time. So um, I hope wherever this show finds you, you have a wonderful day. Take care, everyone. Thank you.